So welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. And today, well, we're not going to just talk about the people on the journey. We're going to talk about those around the journey, those accompanying them on the journey, as we talk with our hosts, who's accompanied many, Roberta, Roberta Luna. Thank you, Paul. It's a little tough following that news story. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. We've we got to find some better news. We're behind the happy news, the happy news channel, right? I know, right. we got to do something. Anyway, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. And today we have Stephanie with us, who was recently with us earlier. And we talked about being a caregiver. And I actually received some interesting and good feedback about people wanting us to talk a little bit more about the subject. And Stephanie kindly agreed to come back and share more of her experiences. Thank you, Stephanie, for returning. And just for people real quick, if you provide help to another person in need, then you are considered a caregiver. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I also people were asking, well, what exactly is a caregiver? And you were a caregiver. Yes, I was. To your grandmother and your mother-in-law and kind of in different ways. Let's get her to lean in a little bit. She's Oops. leaning back again. I'm here. She was leaning close and now she's going to kick back here. It Getting that, too comfortable here. It was that last news. It really brought me down. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so with my grandmother, we have nurses in the family. And so I was more of a support. I would show up and read devotionals to her, bring her water. She wanted a beer. So bringing her <laughs> beer. She wanted us to decorate cookies. So you know, decorating cookies to show her. It was mentioned that I modeled for her, so she wanted to see, you know, what I was wearing and model it. She liked putting my shoes on, so she'd, you know, I'd help her with that. Um, it was, you know, more of, um, I was like a morale booster for her, tap dancing, singing, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, keep her not happy, but, you know, in good spirits. Can we see some of the tap dancing and singing today? No, probably not. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I want to see the stilettos you got your grandma to wear. That's what I want to see. <laughs> stilettos? Oh, my she goodness. did. Oh she my did. Goodness. She was very happy to see them on her feet. She really was. we got to get some of that in here, some pictures or something. But I'm sorry. You know, go ahead. <laughs> also, she, you know, we'd do a stroll around the house in, in um, a wheelchair. So it was, it was really, I had the easy part of it, but um, I didn't want to miss a day not seeing her and being able to do that because I knew our time was short. Yeah. I don't really think you had the easy part. I mean, I think caregiving is generally, it's none of it is really easy and it's very emotional. So I think you had really an emotional part, but um, it's, it's really important. And I felt the same as I was caregiver for my mom and my dad and to try to do whatever you could to make them happy or at least feel better. Cause it seems like when they were laughing or not thinking about what was going on with them, then that was a positive. And I think you were a little bit more of a traditional, what we think of a traditional caregiver for your mother-in-law. I was. So my husband and I were actually in New Orleans when we found out that she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and we flew to Chicago from there and we relocated. Um, we weren't, she had decided not to have um, treatment and so we weren't quite sure how long but we had discussed in length before she was ill that I would take care of her and so um, you know she looked to me and I agreed I said I'll do whatever you want 
So I was her advocate, really, you know, talking to the doctors, making sure that I got all of the information, handling the insurance, making sure we had everything we needed at home to keep her comfortable, speaking to the family and and making sure that they understood. I think the most important thing was making sure my mother-in-law was comfortable and that we were doing what she wanted. If she didn't want certain medication, we weren't going to give it to her. If she did want certain medication, we were going to give it to her. Um, You know, feeding her, making sure that no one was forcing her to eat when she wasn't hungry. (laughs) You know, keeping things private, her dignity. It, It was so important to me to make sure she kept her dignity. You know, so, you know, shooing people away when she needed things to be private. And then later when home health care came, it was, you know, discussing with home health care, you know, where she was at in in her journey. And then making sure the family understood, you know, what was really going on and, you know, what was about to happen. And I know sometimes dealing with family can be very difficult. Um, so when you had to, to talk to the family, how were they taking the news? How what were their what was their reaction? Denial. My husband was more on board with what I had to say because he knew I had already been through it. I have nurses in my family, and so I get that um, perspective when we're dealing with you know medical things you know they were trying to find ways to like holistic ways to cure her um to give her an appetite often people think that if you feed someone they'll be well and so their idea was to you know just stuff her with food if they could and she didn't want to so i often became like this this like brutus this like <laughs> like a bouncer you know <laughs> she would look give me a look and i'd be like nope nope get out of here you know yeah. <laughs> stay away from her or you know she's not hungry or don't make her and it caused a riff it really did especially with the hierarchy of the family they weren't pleased with me telling them what to do because i'm the youngest mm-hmm. of all of them so that was that put a strain on our relationship was it difficult? I mean, you said you were the youngest, but you really you weren't blood related. She was your mother in law. Did her family or her other kids have problems or issues with you taking on this task? No, I taking on the task. No, and I don't want to sound. I don't want to offend anybody, but no one wanted to do it. You know, and I was fine doing it. I wanted to do it, and she wanted me to as well. And I think once they all saw me caring for her, they appreciated that I was doing it, especially my father-in-law. I remember um, he told me, you're my daughter, Mm -hmm. and I like how you're taking care of her, and I like how protective you are. And that's all I needed to hear. I think it's difficult, and and maybe not so much that not wanting to do it, but it's hard, and I think it really does take a special person to be a caregiver. I mean, there are professional caregivers out there that you can hire to come in, but I think you lose something in not doing a lot of it yourself if you can, but some people just, they just can't, and it's always good to have somebody who is able to take on that task. For me, I really had no choice. I'm an only child, so it's not like I can really, you know, I mean, my sons, of course, would help, and my husband, you know, Vic, but it's, it's it's different when it's you know your family and your your parent but 
I mean, it can be very difficult, but I didn't have anybody to argue with me as far as what I was doing. I mean, and I agree. It's when I know with my mom seeing how much weight she had dropped and stuff, we were trying to get her to eat. And I remember, you know, trying to force her to tell her she needed to eat. But then um, she had a very feisty and had a temper. And when, you know, realized that was not going to work, we just decided to back off. And when she wanted something, she would tell us or we would have... Um, nuts and stuff sitting around the house that she could snack on or really her favorite thing to snack on was C's candy and I remember being kind of jealous because all I have to do is look at it and there's five <laughs> pounds and we couldn't even get her to put a pound on you know she would go through all of our Christmas candy but um, it's really a tough job to be the caregiver but I think there's also some rewards to it as well absolutely I felt honored we really she and I were very close we lived together um, but going through this this last part we just i mean we really just had this understanding and my boys got to see that relationship you know grow even more and the respect and the love um that we had it it was obvious and you know the trust i think her trusting me i don't think i've ever felt that trust more than I did with her. So you had a really good relationship before she got sick. We did. We did. We lived together and she was just, she was a phenomenal person. Um, but mother-in-law, I mean, you know, I learned how to be, you know, mother-in-law because of the way she treated me. And it was just generous and caring and she would do anything for her children, but that included me. So it was easy to fall into that role. That was difficult at times. You know, it's it gets messy. It's intimate. So you're really getting personal. You know, at a certain point, she had to have a catheter. And she was very modest. So, you know, she had said, don't look. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and her skin was beautiful. So keeping her skin, I tr- I wanted to keep it the way, you know, she kept, you know, she had it. So, you know, just trying to keep certain things the way she, the the way she had had them you know she the way she had kept herself she was very beautiful you know that was important to her so it was important to me yeah, yeah you say you know t- to try to keep the dignity there i remember how difficult it could be i mean i was taking care of my dad and that's not i mean my dad was a very proud man and to see him wearing depends and have to change him and <laughs> He would tell me the same thing because I'm the only one there. And he's like, don't look, don't look. So I would have to actually close my eyes so I could try to do something. And that's a little difficult to do. But you you do what you can because you want them. They need to have that dignity. And it's very important. And it's really hard to, I mean, we go full circle. You know, they're our caregivers and then we become their caregivers. But it's a little different, I think, changing your daughter's diaper than having your daughter change your diaper. And it was a very difficult time for my dad. And like I say, you try to keep that dignity as much as you can what other things um, or advice or wisdom do you have that you can tell people how some other ways that maybe they can help in keeping that dignity so that they do I mean there's so many emotions that goes with this it's very emotional I'd say you know really speak to the person you're caring for and ask them what they want and then make sure that you do everything you can to give that to them so you know, giving them time to themselves or, you know, privacy. 
um, you know, asking them if they're hungry and then respecting them when they say they don't want it. Uh, she wanted, my mother-in-law wanted my sons in bed with her. So telling the boys, you need to go and lay down, you know, with grandma, uh, giving her time with her siblings. Um, she had said she didn't want to rehash any old feud. So making it clear, you know, don't bring up old, old stuff making sure that her children understood what was really happening and you know telling them to spend time with her because that's what she wanted and uh, bringing laughter mm -hmm. you know just really bringing laughter to to them every day because at, at the end that's all that you can really give them is to try to make them comfortable and and keep them happy you told us some of the ways you, you know, you made your grandma happy and brought laughter into her life. And what were some ways that you were able to do that with your mother-in-law? I'm sure it was a little bit different. We both like to watch old movies. So watching old movies, um, reading to her, singing. She loved music. She had a beautiful voice, a beautiful voice. She sang opera. So um, in her country. So, you know, music and hearing the children laugh, you know, she just, her grandkids were everything to her. She just loved all of them. So, you know, just having her grandkid, grandkids in the room, talking to each other, uh, hearing her own children talk to each other and laugh. She loved that. So, you know, giving her all of that, that's, that's what I could do for her. Did you try to keep things as normal as possible, or um, did it was that kind of difficult to do with the circumstance? It was difficult. It, there was nothing normal about um, how things went. People from out of the country came. Um, people from different states came and stayed with us. In my opinion, they overstayed their welcome. <laughs> um, stayed with us while we were caring for her, and. Um, so there was really nothing normal about the situation, but we tried to, we all tried to keep our relationship the same, you know, with her. It is difficult when people come, like you say, they, you think they overstayed sometimes. And I know there's, my mom used to always say something about fish after three days starts to stink. <laughs> so, um, but how, what kind of advice could you give people that, you know, had that same thing happen? Because I know that happens to a lot of people that, and you're, you're trying not to tire out the, you know, the, the person you're taking care of, but at the same time, people want to see her and want to be with her. So what's some good advice or ways? I mean, did you have a time schedule or, or what was some ways that you could do that? I did have a time schedule. Um, so it was me. I would say <laughs> you have, you know, at the beginning, she had a little bit more energy. But at the end, I would say you have five minutes. And, um, you know, try not to ask her questions, you know, you can, you know, let her know how you feel. Um, she would appreciate no crying, you know, the emotion, it exhausts her. But, um, you know, we would, we'd have a time limit. At the beginning, it was more like 20 minutes. I'd say you have 20 minutes and then she needs her rest. Or, you know, you need, you need to give this time to her children and her grandchildren. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said, I was like a Brutus, you know, <laughs> I'd go in and be like, okay, it's time to go. You need to leave. You set a timer after 20 minutes. <laughs> I had it. I had a watch and I, I did. I kept time. I, I was really strict. Um, and she thought it was funny. 
She all she had to do was give me a look, and I knew. I'm like, I'd be like, okay, let's wrap it up. Time's over. <laughs> I'd open the front door and tell them to go. <laughs> For me, we're gonna play the song that that um, Willie Nelson sings. The party's over. Turn off the lights. The party's <laughs> over. That's gonna be the my cue for people. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it's difficult to have to go in and, and tell them because they want to linger. They want to. So and to give everybody the time. It's got to be a difficult, difficult way, I mean, to go and tell somebody, I'm sorry, your time is up, because they want to be with her as well. Yes. So how did you take care of yourself? Because as a caregiver, it's very important that, you know, you also take care of yourself. How were you able to do that and still do everything else as well? I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I'll just be honest. I, I dropped a lot of weight. Normally, when I'm in a situation like that, I don't eat. So I dropped a lot of weight. Um, I lost a lot of hair. I, I didn't sleep much. My children got sick because of some of the, the visitors that came to stay with us. They got sick. So in turn, they got my children sick. So I was caring for my boys that were ill and, um, you know, making sure my husband was okay and caring for my mother-in-law. So I didn't have time for that. I, I just didn't. I really, honestly, I forgot about myself in that time. So uh, to prevent people, because, you know, you, you need to take care of yourself as well as a caregiver. Otherwise, you are not able a lot of times to be there for somebody else. Do you have any advice on what people should probably do and not maybe follow exactly your footsteps there? I, I would not advise taking, you know, doing the same things I did. You, you know, um, stepping away for a moment, expressing how important it is for someone else to take over. So you can have at least 30 minutes of quiet time. Um, taking a nap in the day, asking someone to you know sit with them for 45 minutes while you take a nap, making sure you're eating regularly. You know, in my case, the smell really bothered my mother-in-law, and so I didn't want to make her feel ill, and I should have just snuck away for a bite here and there. I'd say rest was probably the most important, and so getting rest, I would recommend that over and over and over again. Yeah. And maybe you could even split up some of the the things that you were trying to do. I mean, I don't know, you know, everything you were doing, obviously, but having somebody, you know, like do the grocery shopping. I mean, caregivers can come in in many different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, they can be the ones who do the grocery shopping, maybe the ones who do the laundry, run errands. Um, I don't know if you were trying to do, uh, knowing you, I'm sure you were probably trying to do everything. And maybe just designate be um, instead of trying to be so much of a control engineer, but learn how to designate. And I'm, I'm a really good one at giving advice and always following it. So I understand and get it. But um, as a caregiver, caregivers really need to take care of themselves so they, they don't fall apart and can continue because it is very emotional. It is. It yeah. is. And I was, like, I, like you said, I was doing, trying to do everything, laundry. I was in, it was in someone else's house, you know, finding linens and doing laundry and, you know, cleaning up and bathing and you know, moisturizing and <laughs> doing all that for the patient. Um, but yes, uh, having a chore chart and speaking up, I was a little bit younger now that I'm older, I can, you know, I feel comfortable saying this is what I need, where before I would never have. Um, so, you know, just speaking up and saying we need a divide uh, to do this, to give our, our loved one the best care we can. And not to put anybody on the spot, but was family willing to kind of step up and help with other things other than, you know, maybe her personal caregiving or did it all just kind of fall on you? Um, I feel like everybody's life around us went on. 
um, I, I'd say it just pretty much did fall on me, you know, and I don't know if it was just natural or it was because I just took the, the reins. I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. That's a good question. I've never thought about that, but it just really felt like it did fall, fall on me. Yeah. Being a caregiver can be very emotional and trigger um, a lot of emotions, you know, anger, fear, resentment, guilt, helplessness. Did you feel any of those or did you allow yourself to feel any of those? I felt guilt. I, I felt like I should have been taking better care of her before she had her diagnosis. I, I still felt guilty because I feel like I could have done a better job caring for her. And then, you know, after she passed away, after she died, I felt guilt because I still had my own parents. And watching my husband and his siblings go through such a huge loss and children, I felt guilt for having my own parents still. Mm. Yeah, the guilt is very heavy. I felt that too with, with my dad because I, I saw things and I thought that should have been my clue that there was something else going on and I didn't. And it's something we feel, but you know, we need not to and, and I don't know how not to do it but because it, it wouldn't have changed anything and just from what I know from you and the care that you g gave your mother-in-law and your grandmother I think you were an exceptional caregiver and if I could take the guilt away from you I would love to do that and um, you know it's like I said it's, it can be a lot of emotions but what are some positives that you took away from your experience? I think I gained the respect some respect from my father-in-law um, because I, you know, didn't hadn't known them long, um, it changed my marriage, and in a in a good way, we had gone through something together, and uh, it, it was an example for my boys to know how important it is to take care of our family and and to give love and respect and kindness, and how not to do certain things. So I'd say those are all positive things. They are, and you have to look for the positive because, you know, when you lose somebody, it's so devastating and so many emotions that we really, any positive you can walk away from. And it's kind of sad in a way that it takes something like this for us to find that. Yeah. But I agree, losing, you know, my parents changed us as well for the better. I mean, of course, we would all go back and change things if we could, but I think we all gained something positive from it. And I think that's what we have to look forward to because it's just can be so devastating. But um, I want to thank you for coming and talking more about being a caregiver and for all those that, you know, I do want to dedicate this show to all the caregivers, especially mine and all of those out there and thank them for their care, support and love during our journey. And I'd also like to end with a little quote from former um, First Lady Rosalind Carter who said, there are only four kinds of people in this world. Those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those will, who will need caregivers. Caregiving is universal. And I totally agree with what she said. And I want to thank you again for coming and sharing your journey and being honest and open with us. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow, well there's a real honest, open discussion of a topic that too few of us are ready to face when it does come our way, when we need a caregiver or have to be a caregiver. I've been there. I'm sure many of you have been there too. And we hope that uh, you'll share this with somebody who is there right now. 
as we share our weekly stories, our weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this disease and how everyone around them deals with it on a daily basis. If you'd like to share your story, please contact us here at the station, OC Talk Radio. And if you or anyone you know, there's lots of information, lots of places you go. We give organizations each and every week. One of them is certainly PANCAN. You can certainly call 877-2-PANCAN for help right now. That's the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network and many others. Hirschberg and many places we talk about here. We're going to have more coming up in this coming year. All in the hope that you'll find something positive, some strength as you go through this journey of life. <laughs>